What am I going to do now? Hebrews 5, 12 and following says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What am I going to do now? Is a question that, that we encounter so often, and we are blessed to have in this congregation so many people who are new in the Lord. That's, that's what we're about. This is not supposed to be a club for us old guys. This is supposed to be a nursery for the new guys. And we are all supposed to be growing together in this. But, of course, we're going to be at all different stages in our spiritual development. I remember when I discovered this passage. And um, it, it really did strike me hard because... It was that which leads up to, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And it's like, go on from that? Maybe I don't know what meat is, and I probably still don't. That was about 45 years ago, that, or between 45 and 50 years ago that I discovered that passage and it impacted me. But um, the big picture that I want to get to us today is our direction, not our intentions, determines where we are. Our direction determines where we are, not our intentions. We judge ourselves by our motives. We judge ourselves by our motives. We judge others by their actions. Uh, by the way, that's a double standard, just for your information. Those of you that when you hear a double standard, you just freak out. Um, you have one. So lighten up a little bit. We get where we are. We become what we are by what we do, not our intentions, not our motives. And so we say, how did I get here? And I can tell you that, but the, the, the question I want to ask and deal with is, how do I get out of here? Now, the first thing we want is a quick fix. So pray for me so that I will, will do X, Y, Z or stop doing A, B, C, whatever. And the Lord, on rare occasions, absolutely gives these instant deals, Okay. Almost, I, I suppose all of you have been through a, the grieving process of a death of someone that was very close and is very, very painful. Well, one of our gals, her, her husband, was my main deacon and Sunday school director and incredible person. And uh, many of you remember him. And he was killed in an accident on the church property. And I thought I couldn't stand it. But, of course, that was, that was my personal pain. 
I, and, and so before the funeral, I stopped by to see how his widow was doing, and she was just kind of bouncing around. And I, we, I finally got her to sit down. No, that's not, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was very much like this. And she said, Pastor, the Lord came down and comforted me. And I don't think she ever went through that long, hard thing that, that you just normally do. And all of us do. And it's, we don't miss God. That's not she got God's will and we don't when we grieve the death. If God comes down, then you get that. Of all the people I've been around in over 50 years of ministry, she's the only one I've ever seen. Praise God for it. I've seen it. Now, the rest of us just work through that, and the Lord walks with us through the darkness. And he is going to take care of you on an extremely rare occasion. You may get that pow, that just fixes you. You're just... You're just fixed like she was. But uh, if not, you're going to be fixed anyway because he doesn't leave. And I want you to know that. But this is not microwavable as a rule. We want that. And if you get it, share it and we'll rejoice with you. And the rest of you just buckle your seatbelt because it's going to be a ride. But we're going to go. It will work. It will work. Okay. now. Let's talk about emotions just a moment. I can have wrong feelings and still choose to do the right thing. The world does not believe that. If you feel it, you have to do it. And that's absurd because all of the psychologists that I've ever heard teach on this, and I've taken so many of these classes, will say you can't help how you feel. You can help what you do. But the world has, they've never gotten that through. And I remember when a personal friend of mine who is, is, is an incredibly moral, um, honest, and conservative Christian, conservative uh, social values, moral values, was elected governor of the state of Missouri. And that happened at the same time that Missouri voted in gambling on the boats. And so I, I said to myself, well, what's John going to do with this? Because I know his conviction about gambling. We're personal friends. It's like, what's he going to do? Well, in due process, the will of the people, the law of the land was established and we got the blessing of the boats. And if you think I'm being serious now, let me tell you about my style. Sarcasm is my style. You may borrow it, but it's really mine. Uh, this takes out so much stuff, but that's not the point. The point was John is so moral, he will do what he was elected to do. So when he was called to Washington to serve, and I'll never forget this picture of, of the media cover. By the way, if you don't like John Ashcroft, you've been, you've been believing the media too much. You have a problem. You're not getting the truth because John is as good as it gets. And so they were the, the people who were his, attacking him. And, and I remember a, the man is now a late senator uh, from Massachusetts was uh, sitting behind him. And he didn't look appealing to me. Now, that might have been my prejudice. Possibly was. If it is, just cut me some slack. I'll get over it. 
Um, and here is this guy that I projected no morals on whatsoever. And, and this whole circle was just saying, John Ashcroft cannot be a cabinet member because if the law says thus and so, he believes the other and he could never do it. And I thought, you guys don't have a clue about morality and just doing what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. I just, I just, I was just, I couldn't watch it very much. I just get kind of freaked out and have a little spiritual crisis. And so I said to myself, you know, you don't need this guilt. Just don't watch. And uh, that's a way to manage that stuff. You can't help how you feel. You can help what you do. So, another illustration of this besides uh, John Ashcroft is um, some of you go to the, the gym and work out. And I can just see you. My alarm went off at 5 this morning. So I could have time to read and pray and get to the club. And I just, I was sound asleep. When that alarm went off, it's like, couldn't you just wake up five minutes early so you don't have that? I mean, it's like I can't move. But I know I don't lay there. In the first place, you miss your workout. In the second place, I don't go back to sleep well. I'm not one of those that can do the snooze thing. That's just not the way my body works. So I got out and was staggering around there. You know why I go work out? Not because it feels good to go. It feels good after I go. One reason. But the main reason is what these medical people told us 50, 40, 30, whatever years ago, 40 years ago, uh, when the Canadian Royal Air Force came out with a study that if you do aerobic, what they, I, I think they even maybe coined the phrase. I, don't, I didn't do the etymology on that word, but um, if you work out, get this aerobic workout, 20 minutes, three times a week, you reduce, I was in my 20s when that came out, and so it's like you, in the 30s, you reduce your incidence of fatal heart attack by 60%. I said, I need those numbers, and I started running. Now, later, I discovered that it was not, it was not from the Royal Air Force, after all, but it was, the, it was a collusion of orthopedic surgeons <laughs> that brought that study out, because then they got to replace our knees and hips, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> don't forget the sarcasm thing. Uh, <clears throat> so we, here we are going to work out, and I, and I think of the pain in my legs as I'm on this machine, um, which is supposed to be safer. I have a knee if you're new. I have a, a replaced knee. Oh, it feels so good. Hallelujah. And I'm on this thing and, and my legs are burning and I'm, I'm panting and I'm sweating. Why? Because of the benefit. It's not because I feel like doing that. Trust me. I'm not being sarcastic now. And the, the important thing is that we must make decisions and carry them out that will lead us out of the darkness of our um, wherever we are. So where are you that you don't want to be? 
That's the question. Got one point. Where are you that you don't want to be? You know how you got there? By practicing to get there. You just did it over and over again. But my heart and You know, when, <laughs> when we get before God, he's not going to say, now, how did you feel about that? He's going to say, what'd you do, baby? Yes, don't get confused. We judge ourselves by our hearts, our motives. I, I meant to do better. I didn't mean to slug you, officer. I'm sorry. Don't slug the officer. In the first place, that's a really good way to keep from getting any older. That was one of my dad's offers through the years. Boy, that's a good way to keep from getting any older. And you see, if we can remember, it's what we do. I don't feel like getting out of bed early enough before going to work out to read the Bible and pray. And I look at that chair where I kneel down and I think of the joy and the pleasure that I have with the Father a good part of the time. Because sometimes I really have a good time in prayer. And sometimes I don't. And there's not any reason to go through a deep assessment thing. Because if I do that, I open myself up not only for a good time with the Father, but to get the stuff sorted out that's, that's wrong inside me. And I look at that chair... And it, it says, you really want to do this? And inside I'm saying, no. I want to go back to bed. But you see, you either do it or you don't do it. And by the way, those of you who think you ought to get up early and have a devotional life, but you just can't drag yourself out of bed, it is not a lack of discipline early in the morning. That is not the issue. It's in the evening when it's bedtime, go to bed, then you can get up. You see, if you don't have a devotional life, it's probably because you're not willing to turn the tube off or get off the internet and go to bed. Go to bed. I was, Saturday night we had this, this wonderful banquet and, and, um, and I was watching the clock because I always do on Saturday night and 9.30, you know, I've, I'm always kind of headed toward shutting down. Well, I was still at the church at 9.30. And we had some other stuff going on. And so at 10 o'clock on Saturday night, I turned into a pumpkin. I thought, only I don't because I didn't Saturday night. And it's just like, you know, I only work one day a week anyway. So I want to get a good rest before I go into that. And uh, so that's... Uh, that's the reason I go to bed. But you see, it's a choice I made long ago. I'm not willing to put up with the way it feels on Sunday if I don't get rest on Saturday night. So I, I've trained myself on Saturday night. The rest of the night works the same, the rest of the week. Just, just do it. You say, but that's not any fun. Ah, your fun is more important than the right thing. Now, devotional life is extremely important, and I don't want to set it as, well, this is not a big deal, and on the really important things, you really need to get together. You need to get together on everything. If you're going to be mature, 
You know what your parents said to you when you were misbehaving? Why don't you act right? Did they ever say that to you? That sounds really familiar to me. Why don't you act? I, there's, there's a truth there. It's not that this kid just, want, just feels like an adult and just wants to go sit down at the table and get his napkin and put it properly across his lap and take up his eating utensil in the correct way and, and, and sit there and ask for something that he wants in a civilized way. He doesn't want to do that. He does that because if he doesn't, he'll get hurt. So you act right, okay? Everything in life is like that. I, I was thinking about you school teachers, and uh, I admire you and respect you. You are the highest trained people. It's like I did not know they could put this kind of training into humans, and, and, and still our, our educational system struggles, and it's the parents' fault. If you've got kids in school, you let the teacher and the administration know that you'll back them up if that kid's acting wrongly. You go in there and you tell them. You teachers ought to be up cheering. Uh, <laughs> I, I see it. You're, you're kind of staying in your seat, but you're cheering. You go in and tell them that if this kid's in trouble at school, he's in trouble at home. Because what these teachers put up with, if the kid gets in trouble at school, then the parent comes in and just takes on the whole bunch. What are you doing to my kid? Well, we're trying to do what you're not doing at home, sucker. I was free, I, I hope. <laughs> Stand with, because you see, if we act right, you don't feel like acting right. I remember when I was getting a ticket for running a red light. Thank God this was a long time ago. And, uh, and I just did it, and it was, a, it was a, one of those double left turn things in Springfield, Missouri, and I had just gotten out of a, Hundred hour felt like Presbytery meeting, and I got in my little Volvo, and I pulled up here, and I was headed over to Andy's to get something to eat on the way home. And and that light was turning, and I just went. And this policeman was in the other lane, and the thing turned red, and I just went through, and he just came around, and I just pulled over to the parking lot, and I said, "You know, newbie, you're dumb. You're dumber than dirt, and don't you act funny toward him." It's not his fault that you don't have sense enough to stop at a red light. Hello? So I just had a cheerful conversation with him, got my $50 ticket, and went on about my business. And that really stinks. And you know whose fault it was? Now my heart's right. I want to be a safe driver. Ask me. I'm just sincere and wonderful. And just ran a red light, just cold. Wasn't yellow, it was red. Right here, okay? That's what I'm talking about. If you're in trouble, turn around. If you're headed where you don't want to go, don't say, oh, my heart's right, God help me. Ask him to give you the will to make good choices and follow them through. And we're going to pray tonight. That's the sermon. In conclusion, that's the sermon. And we're going to pray because it is so simple that we just let it go over our head. If you want to be a good parent, spend time with your kids. First of all, love your spouse. 
really well. That makes you a better parent. And then, and then love your kids. Spend time with them. Sit on the floor and play games if they're little. Go to their games if they're big. Uh, be at their school stuff. Well, I have other things to do. Well, get over it. They're going to leave, and you won't have to go to their stuff anymore. Only their life will not be marked the way God intends for it to be marked. Did you get the point? Are you going to do it? Don't lie. Let's just, let's just, let's just let them. God knows my heart. Yeah. And he cares. But it will not stand in judgment. Your actions will stand in judgment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need you. And I ask you.